Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We want to get into voting. What's going on on Capitol Hill? We want to get into the White House and how it is controlling reporters, and reporters are aching and complaining, but they're not going to do a damn thing about it. Massive spending. Now the blue states have surpluses, and we're still giving them money. But first, looks like war is breaking out in the Middle East. I guess that's one of the Biden accomplishes. You know, it's uh, several weeks ago I said that Biden's foreign policy was provocative. That our enemies would use the occasion to exploit Biden and his policies. Uh, And China, Russia... The Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, and of course the Palestinian terrorists. And that's exactly what's taking place here. Now I'm quite troubled by the nature of the reporting that's taking place. Each and every time Israel is attacked and defends itself, we get the same thing. We get the same thing from the media. And I'm not much happy with this guy at Fox either, Trey, whatever his last name is, I forget. 
You want to know how this can end? It would end if the Palestinians in Jerusalem would stop their violent riots. It would end if the Hamas terrorists and Islamic Jihad terrorists in the Gaza Strip would stop firing missiles supplied to them by the Islamo-Nazi Iranian regime in Tehran. That would help. It would also help if our media would report the truth, but that'll never happen. And I talked about this truth the other day, and I want to repeat the basis for this, and then I want to get into some other issues related to it. Mark, what does this have to do with us? The Jews and the Israelis and Palestinians has a lot to do with us. Because you're going to see all over the world there's going to be outbreaks by our enemies as a result of this administration. And Joe Pollack, writing in Breitbart, says, Imagine the absurdity of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu calling President Joe Biden to express concern about the way the federal government was treating participants in the Capitol riot or about police violence against black Americans. That's the equivalent of what National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, who I believe is an anti-Semite, but that's just my own opinion, did this weekend when he called his Israeli counterpart to express serious concerns about riots that were fomented by Palestinians and are being cited by the Palestinian Authority. The so-called clashes in Jerusalem are not the result of Israeli policies, as anti-Israel activists have claimed. They're an effort to pressure the Israeli Supreme Court over a property dispute that has been winding through the courts for decades. We talked about that. And to distract public criticism from the fact that President Mahmoud Abbas, a terrorist, a crook, is now in his 17th year of his first four-year term. And again, he has postponed elections. Are you aware of this? They also coincide with the end of Ramadan, often a time of anti-Israel protest, especially in Iran. And the date of Israel's independence on the secular calendar, May 15th, which is an occasion Palestinians call Nakba, the catastrophe. So to repeat, the property dispute in Sheikh Jarrah, a neighborhood in Jerusalem, is not about ethnic cleansing of Arabs, but of Jews. Jewish families owned those homes prior to 1948. The war. When British-led Jordanian troops took eastern Jerusalem, they kicked the Jews out and allowed Arabs to take over. After Israel took the area in the 1967 defensive war, the Jews claimed their homes back. The question about what to do with the occupants was a thorny legal question in which there were no easy answers. So Palestinians used the occasion to claim, as they often do, that Israel is threatening to remove all the Arab residents, all of them, from Jerusalem and to attack Islamic holy sites on the Temple Mount, which Israel has guarded since 1967. The whole thing is a tedious reprise of earlier efforts to paint Israel as the aggressor and to encourage pressure on the Israeli government. But the Biden administration's playing along, either deliberately to create distance with Israel, as Biden did in the Obama administration, or else because they're fools. It should be noted that this guy Sullivan... Is easily taken in by hoax as he was one of the main purveyors of the Russian collusion hoax. Testifying erroneously to Congress that Michael Flynn had violated the Logan Act and briefing the country's senior journalists falsely about Flynn's alleged collusion with Russian government. That SOB is no damn good. He's the National Security Advisor. But the Biden administration is not a passive observer. Arguably, it helped foment this violence. 
Last month, Biden gave the Palestinian commitments of hundreds of millions of U.S. tax dollars, likely in violation of the Taylor Force Act, which prevents U.S. funding of the Palestinian Authority and still stops paying terrorists and their families. Biden didn't seek any concessions from the Palestinians in return for that funding. No new negotiations with Israel. No end to inciting hatred. He just gave it to them. And he's doing the same with the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. Now the Biden administration is rewarding the Palestinians for the violence by calling on Israel to stop the clashes, as if Israel wanted any of this to happen in the first place. The country doesn't even have a new government yet, several weeks after elections in March, and the violence is threatening to disrupt the negotiations there. Well, there is a positive side of this. Ironically, the government that would replace Netanyahu would theoretically be more sympathetic to Biden's perspective. I don't much care about that. But the reporting has started. I want to remind you about something. Levinites, American patriots. Maddie Friedman. Maddie Friedman. As you know, I wrote about the press and on freedom of the press. And in there I pointed out that Maddie Friedman, a former Associated Press correspondent, who covered Israel for a time, explained the modus operandi of most of her former journalist colleagues when reporting about Israel. November 30, 2014, she wrote an article in The Atlantic titled, What the Media Gets Wrong About Israel. The news tells us less about Israel than about the people writing the news. Again, a former AP reporter. She wrote, journalistic decisions are made by people who exist in a particular social milieu, one which, like most social groups, involves a certain uniformity of attitude, behavior, and even dress. The fashion of these days, for those interested, is less vests with unnecessary pockets and shirts with unnecessary buttons. These people know each other, she means the media there, meet regularly, exchange information, and closely watch one another's work. This helps explain why a reader looking at articles written by the half-dozen biggest news providers in the region of the Middle East on a particular day will find that though the pieces are composed and edited by completely different people and organizations, they tell the same story. Sound familiar? So does this, quote, in these circles, in my experience, writes Friedman, a distaste for Israel has come to be something between an acceptable prejudice and a prerequisite for entry. I don't mean a critical approach to Israeli policies or to ham-fisted government currently in charge of this country, she's a lib, but a belief that to some extent the Jews of Israel are a symbol of the world's ills, particularly those connected to nationalism, militarism, colonialism, and racism. An idea quickly becoming one of the central elements of the so-called progressive, progressive Western zeitgeist, spreading from the European left to American college campuses and intellectuals, including journalists. In this social group, this sentiment is translated into editorial decisions made by individual reporters and editors covering Israel, and this in turn gives such thinking the means of mass self-replication. Have you ever wondered how the terrorist group Hamas received so much favorable coverage in the American and international press? Well, she says most consumers of the Israel story don't understand how the story is manufactured. But Hamas does. Since assuming power in Gaza in 2007, the Islamic resistance movement has come to understand that many reporters are committed to a narrative wherein Israelis are oppressors and Palestinian passive victims with reasonable goals – 
and are uninterested in contradictory information. It's the Marxist formulation. Recognizing this, certain Hamas spokesmen have taken to confiding in Western journalists, including some I know personally, that the group is in fact a secretly pragmatic outfit with bellicose rhetoric and journalists eager to believe the confession and sometimes unwilling to credit locals with the smarts necessary to deceive them have taken it as a scoop instead of as spin. Once again, the media are complicit in suppressing news and promoting propaganda. In Gaza, this goes from being a curious detail of press psychology to a major deficiency, writes Friedman. Hamas's strategy is to provoke a response from Israel by attacking from behind the cover of Palestinian civilians, thus drawing Israeli strikes that kill those civilians, and then to have the casualties filmed by one of the world's largest press contingents with the understanding that the resulting outrage abroad will blunt Israel's response. The Fox reporter, Trey, and again, I forget his last name, has been handed casualties constantly by the Hamas outfit, a terrorist group in Gaza Strip, and keeps repeating them. Yinks, that's his name, Trey Yinks. But he's not alone by any, by any stretch of the imagination. He's not alone. Uh, I just notice it, because, you know, that's the network I'm watching. I'm trying like hell to shut this, <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. She writes, this is a ruthless strategy and an effective one. It is predicated on the cooperation of journalists. One of the reasons it works is because of the reflex, reflex I mentioned. To report that Hamas is a strategy based on co-opting the media, this raises several difficult questions, like what exactly is the relationship between the media and Hamas? And how has this relationship corrupted the media? And so it is, ladies and gentlemen. This is the kind of reporting we are receiving. Oh, good. Brett Baer is doing the piece on the Weiss Foundation that we did a week or two ago, Mr. Producer. It's very important. But we'll stick with my topic. And so the media is sympathetic to Hamas for the reasons I just explained, or better yet, the former AP journalist just explained. It's the same attitude we have with American journalists. It's the same problem we have in this country. As I pointed out in the unfreedom of the press. President Trump issued a statement. The president who was the best friend Israel ever had in the Oval Office. Here's the statement he issued today. When I was in office, we were known as the peace presidency. Because Israel's adversaries knew that the United States stood strongly with Israel and there would be swift retribution if Israel was attacked. Under Biden, the world is getting more violent and more unstable because Biden's weakness and lack of support for Israel is leading to new attacks on our allies. America must always stand with Israel and make clear that the Palestinians must end the violence, terror, and rocket attacks. And make clear that the U.S. will always strongly support Israel's right to defend itself. Unbelievably, Democrats also continue to stand by crazed anti-American Representative Ilhan Omar and others who savagely attack Israel while they are under terrorist assault. I told you we would miss Donald Trump. And we do. We miss him very, very badly. It's going to get worse in the Middle East. It's going to get worse with communist China when they invade Taiwan. Or when Russia invades Ukraine, they're all looking for their opportunities. We talked at length about this. Even before the election, I explained that our enemies want Biden to win. 
Hamas and the Palestinian terrorists, Iran, North Korea, Russia, China, Cuba, Venezuela, and they got their wish as Biden was installed. Here's a statement from the Prime Minister of Israel, Netanyahu, and the damn fool liberal uh, Israelis who want to remove him. Unfortunately, you may get what you deserve. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu this evening, it's about a seven-hour difference over there. We're in the midst of a major campaign, Operation Guardian of the Walls. Yesterday and today, the IDF attacked hundreds of Hamas and Islamic Jihad terrorist targets in the Gaza Strip. We've eliminated dozens of terrorists, including senior commanders. We bombed Hamas command centers and toppled buildings that served the terrorist organizations. We will continue to attack with all force. We've just finished a consultation and assessment of the situation with the heads of the security establishment. We made decisions. Hamas and Islamic Jihad have paid, and I tell you here, will pay a very heavy price for their aggression. I say here this evening, their blood is on their heads. So citizens of Israel, we stand united against a reprehensible enemy. We all grieve for those who have been killed. We all pray for the well-being of the wounded. We all stand behind the IDF and the security forces. And I ask everyone without exception to strictly follow the directives of the IDF Home Front Command. With determination, unity, and strength, we will restore security to the citizens of Israel. The greatest prime minister the Israelis ever had. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Rashida Talib whose parents came here, and they're Palestinian, is a Jew-hater extraordinaire. Here she is on Peacock TV yesterday. Cut one, go. Is conditioning of aid even on the table? It has to be on the table. And look, by not conditioning and having what we call unconditional uh, funding to an apartheid state, one that is practicing ethnic cleansing and so much more, uh, we are becoming hypocrites. And, and, and saying that we don't support uh, the value of human dignity. We don't support international human rights. What and is so she many- talking about uh, ethnic cleansing? The four families who stole the property of four Jewish families that went through the court system there in 1948. It's been adjudicated after decades. Is that ethnic cleansing, ladies and gentlemen? More when I return. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. 
And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. One of the things I'm in the business of doing here, ladies and gentlemen, is unraveling. You are fed so many lies and so much propaganda by demagogues in and out of the media. I have to spend time on these things. If the reporting were truthful and honest, I wouldn't have to. Now, a lot of the media are talking about the clash between Israel and Palestine, or the Palestinians. Israel's been attacked. When you shoot 150 or 200 missiles in an initial wave towards Jerusalem, towards southern Israel, from the Gaza, and now they're aiming at Tel Aviv, that's an attack. It's not a clash between. And you'll see language like this, too, that you're going to have to decipher. But I want to get back to Rashida Tlaib, because there's this growing anti-Semitism within the Democrat Party. And ladies and gentlemen, growing anti-Semitism is a characteristic of Marxism. It's a characteristic of Marxism and fascism. So you can see the growth of American Marxism and the growth of all these other isms along with it. And so we're talking about four families, four homes... Finally, there's a decision after decades that they have to give those properties back to the original owners. So, hat tip CNS News, our outstanding friends there. Let us do this again. Cut one, go. Is conditioning of aid even on the table? It has to be on the table. And look, by not conditioning and having what we call unconditional uh, funding to an apartheid state. What we call unconditional funding to an apartheid state. No Jews are free to live in any of the so-called Palestinian areas. They will be murdered. Palestinians and Arabs live throughout the area of the state of Israel. In fact, they have representation in the Knesset. They are provided rights under Israeli law and by Israeli courts. You don't find that in the Gaza Strip. You don't find it in any of the Palestinian territories, period. So Israel's not an apartheid state. It's a Jewish state. That's like calling the Vatican an apartheid state. No, it's not an apartheid state. The apartheid territories would be the Palestinian territories from whence this piece of crap, Talib, comes from, and it is amazing to me that the Democrat Party 
takes no action against her. It is amazing to me that the media keep giving her platforms when she's an out-and-out bigot. An out-and-out bigot. Go ahead. Practicing ethnic cleansing and so much more. Uh, we Ethnic are- cleansing and so much more the Israelis are practicing, ladies and gentlemen. Did you know that? Go ahead. Becoming hypocrites and, and, and saying that we don't support uh, the value of human dignity. We don't support international human rights. And so Mahdi, it's very clear to me that we cannot... Okay, that's enough. Had enough of her. Who's Mohammed El-Kurd? Well, he's one of the Palestinians who's to be evicted. And so he's brought on to MSNBC today. This is what I'm talking about. And by the way, it's not just on this issue. It's on every anti-American, anti-Israel issue. The media in this country are disgusting. So Aman Mayeldin, is that an employee of MSNBC, Mr. Producer? He's the host. Aman Mayeldin brings in Mohammed El-Kurd. Here's how it goes. Cut three, go. I want to give you a chance also, I'm, I'm not sure if you've heard the U.S. State Department, um, you know, they would not explicitly say whether Palestinians have a right to self-defense when they were asked about that yesterday's briefing. Right to what self-defense. You- See, this is the problem. This is MSNBC, a sister network to NBC that's owned by Comcast. This is really outrageous. This is This is... This is like uh, TV out of the Middle East. Do they have a right to self-defense? Oh, oh, I see. So when they're shooting all these missiles at Jerusalem and Tel Aviv and Ben-Gurion Airport and all the rest of it, they have a right to self They're just doing that out of self-defense, ladies and gentlemen. That's all. All those tunnels they're building for terrorists, just out of self-defense. Go ahead how the U.S. and the international community has responded to what is happening to your family. They are saying, the spokesperson for the State Department is saying today that you have a right to safety and security while Israel has a right to self-defense. What do you say to U.S. officials? So you see how this phony reporter sets up the scenario. You have a right to safety and security while Israel has a right to self-defense. Israel's under attack. And Israel's response is to try and target military sites. The problem is, as you know here, Hamas and the Palestinian Authority build hospitals and mosques and do what they do, elementary schools, and then use them as fronts and then turn the media. That lady that I quoted earlier from my book, the reporter who used to be at AP, Friedman, she pointed out exactly how this works. And here it is, MSNBC, propaganda mill. Go ahead. The United States has waged more wars than there are Hamas members. Um, Now, see, that is a sentence that has to be prepared in events. The United States has waged more wars than there are Hamas members. This is utter propaganda. It's a trashing of the United States by a man who is illegally occupying a home that belonged to a Jewish family that was forced to leave by the Jordanians and the Arab, other Arabs, in 1948. Of this, there is no dispute. Go ahead. Wait for the United States to tell me what constitutes as self-defense and what not constitutes as self-defense. Um, that is not where my moral compass stems from. Um, I don't think the, the 
the United States is in position, given all of the genocides and wars it's partaking and to say something about... See, ladies and gentlemen, we, the American people, I've told you this before, we are tied to the hip of the Israelis because they also share our principles. So you see, we are in no position to say anything because of all of the genocides and wars that we've partaken in. This is exactly the view of the American Marxist. Of all the wars we've partaken in. So this man was brought on TV purposely by MSNBC to advance his propaganda. While Ayam or Amon Molyeldin didn't at all try to explain to you exactly what took place here. He brings this guy on to trash the United States. We're warmongers, don't you know? Genocidal maniacs, don't you know? And by the way, so are the Jews. And we've waged more wars than there are members of Hamas, ladies and gentlemen, according to El Kurd. So I thought it was important to play these things for you so you know what we're up against. They definitely think you and I are involved in this. Then I pulled a few headlines to make a final point, then I will move on. This is from The Guardian. 31 people dead as Netanyahu vows to intensify Gaza attacks. NBC News. Israel violence from Al-Aqsa protests to Palestinian rockets helps... MSNBC Netanyahu advisor pressed on Israeli-Palestinian relations amid deadly dot 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 dot. Again, that's Ayman Ohel Yeldon. The Times. Israel will continue bombing Gaza, Netanyahu pledges. So many of these media outfits and these reporters long for the good old days, don't they? The good old days. Would that be the 1930s or the 1940s, Mr. Producer? And if you've been on social media and these frauds, Facebook and Twitter, and have seen the things that are being said about the state of Israel and Jews, and by the way, President Trump too, then you'll know, as you do already, there's no policing of these sites. They're absolutely fraudulent. Absolutely fraudulent. All right, when I come back, I want to dig into this election law that the Democrats are pushing with the same propaganda and lies as you're hearing from Hamas and the Palestinians when it comes to the Middle East. Chuck Schumer is one of the most grotesque, grotesque politicians to ever walk on the planet. I'll be right back. Mark Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. 
We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. I want to thank Amazon, not. When you type in American Marxism Amazon, they're taking you to Kindle, Mr. Producer, because they want to limit the hardcover sales. And I want to thank those of you who have gone to Amazon and have purchased the book, who have pre-ordered the book. I see Stacey Abrams is now ahead of us, unfortunately. Uh, But her book is actually out. I want to strongly encourage you, all these things will come together very strongly, very smartly, very easily. And what I'm hoping, on is when the book is actually released in, the, in a few weeks, uh, that it will be delivered to as many Levinites and patriots out there as possible all on the first day. And the only way to accomplish that is to pre-order your copy. And if you want the same for your child who's heading to college or in college or heading to high school or in high school, if you want the same for a neighbor, if you want the same for friends, some people actually have book parties, I would encourage you quite strongly if possible to go ahead and order your copy. Whatever the lowest discount is on the day of release is the discount you will receive. You can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart has a site and so forth, but For some reason, people look at this Amazon site. So, I will tell you we have sold, pre-ordered, and I don't know that I'm allowed to, but I don't care, 60,000 hardcover. And the goal that I've set for you and me is 100,000. Because then I know that our movement is going to really kick ass on day one. That means on day one, 100,000 books will be in circulation. We're going to shock the rest of this country, politician and non-politician alike. We're going to inspirit our fellow citizens so they know there's a movement that they can join. That what we are developing here is a movement akin to the Tea Party, to the Reagan movement, to the Trump movement, to the Goldwater movement. But this movement's even bigger, unfortunately, it needs to be. This goes to whether or not we're going to save this country. And so what I would encourage each and every one of you to jump in with both feet this evening. Maybe you're at a church or a synagogue or a mosque. Maybe you're somewhere in a social events or belong to one of these groups and you can see this Marxism bleeding into these groups, into your faith. You can fight it. It would be a fascinating thing, a fantastic thing, if kids would start to show up to school, whether it's public school or colleges and universities, with a copy of American Marxism under their arm, having read it this summer, when they go to school, the end of August and September. This will be our focus, saving America and taking the battle to the enemy. Now, we're not a militia here for the bizarre journo types listening. 
we're just red-blooded Americans, and we're going to do what red-blooded Americans need to do. And we're going to use tactics and strategies that make sense, which is the entire last chapter. So this isn't a book just to write a book. I don't do that. I don't have ghost writers. I don't have researchers. No, I don't do that. I wrote it. I researched it. And every moment that I did it, you can ask my wife, I was thinking about you, this audience, how best to communicate these things with you and how best you can use it is the Thomas Paines out there. So I know you're listening to me, many of you are at the dinner table, at the office, in your car, what have you. Please make today the day, this evening, the evening, that you pre-order your copies for you, for maybe family, for maybe friends. And so when that day comes, when this book is shipped from sea to shining sea, that we have 100,000 of them being shipped. It's really two baseball stadiums when you think about it. And from there, from there we'll get a million other people to participate. I do this for us. I do this for our children and our grandchildren. And I hope you'll, you'll throw in with both feet and you can say that you were among the earliest. These are first edition books too. You know, when the publisher has to go back and reprint second, third, fourth, fifth editions, and that's probably what's going to happen with this book because it's probably going to take off very, very big. But when you pre-order, you get the first printed copies that come off the assembly line. So I wanted you to be aware of that too. American Marxism, please join us. Now I'm going to spend a good part of the second hour talking about this debate over voting. This is another, another aspect of American Marxism where they want to destroy our electoral system. And they camouflage it in self-righteousness. They camouflage it. That is, they destroy what they claim to support. They destroy what they claim to support. And we'll walk through this together. We want to spend some good time on this. All right, folks, we got a powerful hour coming next hour, I promise you. I hope you'll stick with us. In the meantime, you can get over to uh, Amazon if you like. There's time to do that. But I look forward to your return. I really want to hammer this voting issue with you. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, We're going to find, if not tonight, probably tomorrow, where Senator Tom Cotton was on, I think it was my Fox show, but it may have been the radio. And he was the first to say that he believed that this virus came out of that lab in Wuhan, China, for which he was attacked as a conspiracy theorist and all the rest. He's been very, very gutsy confronting China uh, for some time now. 
So we like to give credit where credit is due. And we're going to get into also this voting change that the Democrats want. And what this really is, ladies and gentlemen, is the Democrat Party Wins Forever Act. And so they don't like the fact that there's actually Republican State Legislatures Act out there functioning under the federal constitution, trying to have election integrity. So they figure with one broad brush, they'll nationalize the system and they'll control it. And they'll hand the technical aspects over it to friendly bureaucrats. And then that will be the destruction of our election system. Because this is what Marxists do. And they are American Marxists. Karl Marx argued that not only are the proletarians, that is, the people, the slaves of the bourgeois class, the managers, and the bourgeois state, they are daily and hourly enslaved by the machine, by the overseer, and above all, the individual bourgeois manufacturing themselves. But even more, he wrote in the Communist Manifesto, society as a whole is more and more splitting into two great hostile camps. Two great hostile camps, two great classes directly facing each other. The bourgeoisie, the capitalists, who own property, and the proletariat, the class worker who doesn't own property. What else does he say? If the proletariat is to eliminate economic classes and transform society into an egalitarian paradise, this is me speaking, he must wipe clean the present from the past. First, by overthrowing the existing regime and smashing capitalism, replacing them with a centralized proletariat state, so-called. And once society and the culture are cleansed of the past, all the past, the state will wither away. What follows is an amorphous utopian state powered by the people through the collective. Here's what Marx says, quote, Of course, in the beginning, this cannot be effected except by means of despotic inroads, of the rights of property and on the conditions of the bourgeois production. By means of measures, therefore, which appear economically insufficient and untenable, but which, in the course of the movement, outstrip themselves necessitate further inroads upon the old social order and are unavoidable as a means of entirely revolutionizing the mode of production. So what the American Marxists has done in the Democrat Party is while they embrace this economic ideology, they have extended it to our governing system by despotic inroads. They have to destroy what is. By despotic inroads, they have to destroy what is. That's what he's saying. That's what the Democrats are doing. They've become fanatics. When the fanatic is confronted with facts and statistics, history, experience, ethics, faith, or what have you, just like Black Lives Matter and TV, whatever, it is of no consequence. He has found his calling, and he will not be dissuaded from it. Indeed, the cause is greater than all other things. And the fanatic comes from all walks of life and backgrounds. For example, multi-billionaire George Soros pours enormous sums of money into radical causes and groups. Professional athletes such as Colin Kaepernick and LeBron James 
are vociferous vilifiers and disparagers of American society. Many college and university professors are purveyors of revisionist American history and radical anti-American ideologies. College and university students from middle class and wealthy families are increasingly militant opponents of the civil society. And of course, various communities are ever more radicalized by racial, economic, educational, and other distinctions and disparities. Passionate hatred can give meaning and purpose to an empty life, explained Eric Hoffer. So understanding these mass movements is important to understanding the Democrat Party. This is from Chapter 1 of American Marxism. I'd love to read you the whole book, but I'd get tired, you'd get tired, and I'd get thrown off the air. Which brings me, because it's all linked to what the Democrats are trying to do to the American voting system. Destroy it. In the name of expanding voting, in the name of standing up to Jim Crow, in the name of making voting easier, more access, they want to destroy voting in this country. In order to do what? To empower the Democrat Party. Isn't it an amazing thing that we need to put in place various rules of integrity in order to prevent the Democrat Party from stealing elections? They don't have to do that to Republicans, do they? Isn't that amazing? We play by one set of rules and they play by another, which is no rules. They play by no rules. And if they don't like the rules, they want to destroy the rules. And so they want to turn America into California. Because there, Republicans simply cannot win statewide. And there, it's one-party rule. And by a big margin, they have a super-duper majority in their assembly, not just a veto-proof majority. We've talked about this at length, but let me help the media out here because they don't want to make charts. What would this bill do? It would seize the authority from states granted to the states, particularly the state legislatures, under Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Federal Constitution. It would force the implementation of early voting, of automatic voter registration, same-day registration, online voter registration, and no-fault absentee balloting, as pointed out by Heritage. Now, let's think about that. Early voting, automatic voter registration. We just had a cyber attack that shut down 45% of the oil flow to the East Coast and the Southeast. How are they going to stop any kind of cyber attack on this? They won't, and they don't care. Same-day registration, which means it is impossible to know if the person registering is the person who he or she says they are. Online voter registration. I'm sure there can't be any abuse when that occurs. No-fault absentee balloting. You know what that means? You can vote absentee no matter what, and you don't have to provide proof that you are who you are. So it clearly makes it easier, hugely, to commit fraud. To commit fraud. They're going to mandate early voter, early voting at least 15 days before. States can have longer, of course, if they want. What else are they going to do? They degrade the accuracy of registration lists by requiring states to automatically register all individuals. Listen to me. 
all individuals, not all citizens, all individuals from state and federal databases, which you know are not correct, Department of Labor, Federal Bureau of Prisons, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, Department of Health and Human Services, DMV, Social Security Administration, any individual will be on the voter registration list. You got it? So what does that mean? Obviously, it means illegal aliens can vote. There's no other reason to do that. All this online voting, automatic voting, a recipe for massive voter registration fraud by hackers and cyber criminals. This is exactly why the Democrat Party is doing this. It requires states to count ballots cast by voters outside their assigned precincts. You're assigned a precinct so they can funnel the people who live in that particular neighborhood, in that community, into a precinct, look at their registration, see their voter ID. What the Democrats say is you can vote in any precinct you want, and they got to count it. Again, they're building in fraud, fraud, fraud. That's what they're doing. And states would have to do it and have to count it. This no-fault absentee ballots, they are the tool of choice for vote thieves. It would ban witness signatures. It would ban notarization requirements. Four states to accept absentee ballots received up to 10 days after the election. Up to 10 days after the election. And it would require states to allow vote harvesting. So that any third parties, including campaign staffers, political consultants, can pick up and deliver absentee ballots. Now, this is obviously nothing to do with Jim Crow, does it, ladies and gentlemen? When we come back, I'll tell you the rest. I've only just started. This is why they want to force all the states to do this, because the Democrat Party cheats. It is a fraudulent party. It lies. It lies about spending. It lies about the border. It lies. This is who they are. This is what they do. These are our American Marxists. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. I'm going through this again. How the Democrats want to destroy our voting system. Your right to vote. Your franchise. 
Because if I don't do it, it's not going to be done. It's not being done on TV anywhere. And I've done this on TV. But to have Chuck Schumer stand up there and say Republican legislatures want to take your vote away, or they want less people to vote, uh, to allow him to position this and create that narrative is unacceptable. It's got to be fought. What the Democrat Party is trying to do is every conceivable way to fraudulently vote they want to enshrine in federal law and then compel all the states to comply with that federal law. And before I go on, I want to say this. And I posted this on Parler. Every single Republican state legislature, should this damnable Marxist law pass, should say that we are a sanctuary state, we nullify this law, we will not comply with it, we will comply with the federal constitution. We don't give a damn what Congress says. We don't give a damn what any court says. When it comes to state laws, we're in charge. Not Congress, not any state court, not any federal court, not any other public official or entity. We, the state legislature, the state of fill in the blank, we have the final say. That is what the federal constitution says, and that's what we're going to do. They should nullify federal law under these circumstances. And that claim that they are a sanctuary voting state that will not, that will not surrender their voting system to the Democrat Party in Washington, D.C. It's that simple. Now, what else does this do? The Democrats want to prevent election officials from checking the eligibility and qualifications of voters and removing ineligible voters. This includes restrictions on, the, on using U.S. Postal Service national change of address system to verify the address of registered voters. So in other words, you are not allowed to determine if the person on the list is the person on the list. So it's almost impossible to know if the person voting should be voting. And this, according to the Democrats, if you oppose this, you must support Jim Crow. You are not allowed to check the accuracy of voter registration rolls. States are prohibited from using undeliverable election mail as a basis for challenging a registrant's eligibility as well. They will ban state voter ID laws. Ban them. And then they have a tax on the First Amendment. Then they have federal financing of candidates. So as you can see, they intend to federalize the whole thing. They authorize the IRS to engage in partisan activity. It permits the IRS to investigate and consider the political and policy positions of nonprofit groups before granting exempt status. They limit access to federal courts for anyone challenging this law. It prohibits the filing of any lawsuit challenging the constitutionality of the law anywhere except Washington, D.C. Regardless of the number of lawsuits brought, if one's brought from all 50 states, they have to be brought into Washington, D.C., thereby limiting the legal representation and due process rights of challengers. Then they want to create a commission to protect democratic institutions 
that would threaten the independence of the judiciary. It defines democratic institutions as those that are essential to ensuring an independent judiciary, free and fair elections, and the rule of law. The commission would be given the authority to compel judges to testify and judges to justify their legal decisions, clearly intending to undermine the independence of the judiciary. The Democrat Party is the party of American Marxism. There's really no two ways around it. The definitions and all will understand once you read the book. But this is exactly the sort of thing they do and would do to prevent competitive elections, to load up ballot boxes with phony ballots, to determine who the winner is 10 days after the election, to make it impossible for any state to exercise their federal constitutional authority. That is exactly what American Marxism is all about. And there it is for the whole world to see. This isn't about democracy. This isn't about allowing more people to vote. Everybody doesn't have a right to vote. Depending on your status as a citizen, depending on your age, depending on your criminal background in some cases. But every step is taken. It's very diabolical. It's evil. Every step is taken to try and create an advantage for big city Democrat bosses, for big state Democrat bosses, for the Democrat Party in Washington, D.C., which is laughing at us every single minute of every day while they corner opponents to this tyranny as supporting Jim Crow. And they are self-defined as the righteous supporter of voting. And it starts with that lying, plagiarist buffoon in the Oval Office and that phony cornrow hairhead, Schumer, because they know that they can depend on the crooked, lousy, rotten media in this country to spittle out everything they have to say and everything they want to do. If the American people knew what was in this law, they would rise up against it. Democrats, some, Republicans for sure. But people of goodwill, absolutely, in any party. I'll be right back. Mark doesn't suffer pools well. So, if you're a pool, don't call 877-381-3811. Well, it's a big day in the household. Our son Chase turns 30 today. 30 years ago. We're blessed to have a wonderful son like Chase. Uh, he's just a really nice young man. He uh, He's really steadfast in what he does each day. He's uh, I'm just so very, very proud of him. Couldn't ask for a better son. And so we wish our Chase happy birthday. And we love you very much, son. Have you ever heard of Alan Bloom? Late philosopher. Alan Bloom. Many years ago, a couple decades ago, my brother Doug gave me 
a book that Alan Bloom had written called The Closing of the American Mind. You can see I'm linking these various topics and these various policies because it's important to understand where all this comes from. He was a philosopher and a professor, and he was very good at what he did, think and write. The closing of the American mind, he was warning about what was happening in our schools in 1987. And the book was quite popular, actually. And again, I cite him in American Marxism. Now, among other things, what he wrote was that every educational system has a moral goal that it tries to attain and that informs its curriculum. It wants to produce a certain kind of human being. This intention is more or less explicit, more or less a result of reflection, but even the neutral subjects like reading and writing and arithmetic take their place in a vision of the educated person. Democratic education wants and needs to produce men and women who are supportive of a democratic regime. And Alan Bloom warned that we have a culture in which to root education, but we have begun to undermine it. The idealism of the American founding has been explained away as mythical, selfishly motivated, and racist. 1987. He said, and so our culture has been devalued. Nobody believe that the old books do or even could contain the truth. Nobody believes that. Tradition has become superfluous, he says. And then I add, indeed, America's college and university faculties have turned their classrooms into breeding grounds for resistance, rebellion, and revolution against American society, as well as receptors for Marxist or Marxist-like indoctrination and propaganda. Academic freedom exists first and foremost for the militant professors and the competition of ideas are mostly quaint concepts of what higher education used to be and should be. But Marxism is not about free speech and debate. This is important. It is about domination, repression, indoctrination, conformity, and compliance. That is why the Democrats want to destroy our voting system. It is about domination, repression, indoctrination, conformity, and compliance. The existing society and culture and those who prosper within it intellectually, spiritually, and economically, as well as those who defend it, must be denounced and defamed. You know, you're all racists and support Jim Crow. Disillusion with the status quo is key. Marxism presents a new faith, if you will which promises a new and better society for which a passion, if not obsession, is inculcated in future generations despite its trail of mass death, enslavement, and impoverishment. American Marxism. So these different things that are swirling around us will take on a new meaning or a deeper meaning. That's the goal when you are able to digest the book. Um, and you'll be able to see why I call it, I've coined this phrase American Marxism, it is the Americanization of Marxism, not every aspect of it, but its fundamentals. It's fundamentals. And that's why we are where we are today. People are asking me, so, 
my son Chase, when he was young, teenager really, he was one of the top worldwide contenders in World of Warcraft. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? We used to go to the conventions in uh, the Anaheim Convention Center each year. And we would walk around, and he opened that whole world to me. I don't understand it. Uh, but he, uh, he, he well, used to do that. He was fantastic at it. He's a very, very quick mind. I don't even know how iPhones work or anything of the sort, you know. And he's uh, very renaissance in nature because he enjoys cooking. Do you enjoy cooking, Mr. Producer? Mr. Call Screener, do you enjoy cooking? They both enjoy eating. If you saw them, you'd understand. The same with me, by the way. But, um, so he'll knock out like sourdough bread and all kinds of pastas and everything else. In fact, the whole family likes to cook. And thank God, I don't like to cook, but I do like to eat. So he takes that up. He takes up all kinds of interesting things. He's got a hell of a lot more patience than I do. We have wonderful kids in this family. We really do. We're very much blessed. Each one a little different, as you might expect, but very blessed. All right, let us let me take a call. Do we have a uh, an irregular American who's called, like a leftist, Mr. Producer? If not, do we have a patriotic American? No libs. Troy in Louisiana, Baton Rouge, listening on the Mark Levin app. How are you, Troy? I'm doing very well, sir. I'm going to do my very best Ben Shapiro impression. Um, originally, I um, called about in the first section. So why um, would you call the Mark talking. Levin show to do a Ben Shapiro impression? Wouldn't you call the Ben <laughs> Shapiro show to do a Ben Shapiro impression? <laughs> I just wanted to talk really fast. The last time I spoke with you, you only gave me 30 seconds, and we ended up, I was still living in Waco. We talked about Chip and Joanna Gaines. So, um, All right. Uh, but my, one thing I wanted to make a point was I just sent this to my family. Um, uh, the video, I just watched a live video that I recently uh, uh, announced an hour ago of uh, <clears throat> Jen Psaki, and it was very scary to me that she kept representing the two-state solution and kept discounting the fact that Tel Aviv was not being uh, bombed. And so to me, I really feel like they're hastening war. Um, I really feel like they're just trying to buy or to uh, go Biden into something which you know he will not do. He will not protect the the uh, people in Israel. Jared Kushner was able. All right, let's slow down a second. People in Israel don't need Biden to protect them. What they need is Biden not to undermine them, and that's the problem. You can't fight on two fronts at the same time, where you're trying to fight actually on multiple fronts an enemy that wants to destroy you, and then. You have to look over your shoulder constantly at what you believe is your greatest ally who's uh, undermining you with propaganda, with surrogates, and alliances with the European Union and the United Nations. That's the problem Israel's facing. Absolutely, and I was so shocked that Jared Kushner was able to go in there under the Trump administration and do what he did because Trump's vision was don't go through Iran. Okay, it wasn't just Jared, although he deserves a tremendous amount of credit. We had an ambassador. We had a president of the United States. They had an ambassador. They had a prime minister. Jared was extremely good at what he did, but it takes more than one person. You understand that? Yes, sir. And again, I'm trying to talk really fast. I know you're on All right, sir, sir. Take it easy. 
you got another 30 seconds. Just say something substantive. Go ahead. Okay. Very substantive. So what you were just touching on when I was on hold is so true. Um, I moved from Texas to Louisiana during COVID. Louisiana was hurting. Uh, I work in the golf industry. Uh, they were so locked down. I had already had COVID, so I could come over here and work. But as it is right now with the welfare state, we cannot hire anyone. We're offering double the money. All the golf courses around here and in Texas. My well, you don't have a problem. Biden says it's not a problem. People want to work. It's not the money, and we have no data to show it. It's obviously a problem. Thank you for your call. We've been talking about this. He's driving up inflation. It's not just this cyber attack on this one pipeline. You must recall, right, that Joe Biden shut down a pipeline, too. It wasn't even with a cyber attack. It was just by an executive order. Remember that, America? And so they make us vulnerable by their own decisions. We've had a gentleman on this program multiple times. I've had him on Levin TV. I've had him on Life, Liberty, and Levin. And uh, Mr. Pryor has shown us, in many cases, how they could shut down the entire electrical grid, which would make this look like a birthday party. And nothing has been done to secure our electrical grid. And I want you to think, what would happen if you didn't have electricity? Well, they just sent out the men. No, no, there's nobody to send out. There's not enough generating uh, generators to, uh, to create electricity. They're all burned out. There's not enough to replace them. We've done multiple shows on this. These people who shut down that one pipeline on the East Coast, the Colonial Pipeline. We have countries, China, Iran, North Korea, Russia, and others who are literally poised to shut down our electrical grid and are capable of doing it technologically today. And as a matter of fact, as was discussed and pointed out to us, it would take a single atomic blast up in the sky, not at the United States, not here on our ground, but up in the sky to blow out our electrical grid. So even the North Koreans could do it. And with just a few billion dollars out of the multi-trillions and trillions of dollars that they're spending, we could secure the grid. And we won't do it. We won't do it. This government is suicidal. They want to steal our liberties. They want to steal our vote. They want to throw the border open so America is no longer a sovereign country. They're a wrecking ball on this country, and they're not even building the defenses we need to fight these cyber attacks. In terms of jobs, Joe Biden is the biggest job killer on the face of the earth. The biggest job killer. And now he's Mr. Inflation. They're driving up the... Look, my gallon of gasoline, I looked at it today very carefully and went back. It's up a dollar a gallon from last year this time. It's now three eighty-nine nine. is $3.90 to fill up my vehicle. Thank God I don't drive for a living. Imagine Uber and the others, taxi drivers. Imagine the truck drivers, for crying out loud. The costs associated with buses in your school district or the postal service, they're driving up costs all over the place. And then those costs are passed on to you. Have you seen the price? I'll give you an example, and I'm going to get in trouble with my wife. Have you been to McDonald's lately? If you get a fish sandwich and a small hamburger and medium fries, I'm not saying I did, and medium fries and a large Diet Coke, you're over 10 bucks. 
Friend told me this the other day. You're over 10 bucks. And you're over 10 bucks because the price of meat has gone up. The price of processing meat has gone up. The cellophane that they use to wrap meat has gone up. The foam containers that they use. Everything's gone up. Trucking. The produce and the products to the... Everything's going up. Inflation's here. Now, you may not fill in in your mortgage yet because your interest rates are controlled by the Federal Reserve, but when they take the foot off the brake, and they're going to have to one day, or the whole thing's going to blow up, you're going to feel it in an even more significant way. This is what Joe Biden and the spending has created. A disaster. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs, with the absolute best consumer service team, based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Give a good Mother's Day out here, Now, one of the great things about Mother's Day, in addition to celebrating the, the woman and women that you love in your life, is you get to eat. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? You don't have to worry about dieting. You want to diet Coke. My wife hates it when I drink soda, hates it when I eat all these carbs, hates it. But on Mother's Day, it's like... She just keeps smiling at me, so I just go ahead and eat it anyway. <laughs> and by the way, those of you who see the two of us together, and you'll come up to my wife, and you'll say, take care of him, please. She says, they keep asking me to take care of you when you won't take care of yourself. I tell you what to do. I urge you what to but you won't do it. It's true. So when you come up to us next time, say, Mark, take care of yourself. But I do appreciate the sentiments. I really do. All right. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, You see the shortages of energy, your cyber attack on the Colonial Pipeline, but that's not all. We're setting ourselves up for shortages, for brownouts, for blackouts, for long lines of gasoline stations. Because the people who are trying to impose their will on our economic system not only have no idea what they're doing, they can't possibly have an idea what they're doing because our economic system is so complex, there are trillions of decisions made every day that they can't substitute their own abstractions and theories and ideologies for reality. Joe Biden did to the Keystone XL pipeline what these ransomware cyber warriors did to the Colonial Pipeline. He shut it down. So what you want to do under circumstances like this is have many options, that is, many pipelines, as well as alternatives. And we've talked about this before, haven't we? But where do they get these ideas from? Where do they get these ideas from? The so-called environmental movement of the 1970s has developed into another avenue to attack American constitutional republicanism and, of course, capitalism. From clean air and clean water to global cooling, warming, and climate change, the goal of many of the leading intellectuals behind this effort has been the introduction of Marxist thinking and objectives to the guise of environmentalism as the Green New Deal, which promotes economic regression Radical egalitarianism and autocratic rule. But the movement has expanded well beyond that to include virtually every programmatic and agenda-driven goal of American Marxism, which has been embraced to one degree or another by the Democratic Party. Moreover, the environmental movement has developed numerous areas of overlap with other Marxist-centric ideologies, ideologies and movements, such as critical race theory via Environmental justice, which declares the existence of environmental racism targeting minority communities. Some of the movement's masterminds insist that Marxism does not go far enough in establishing their degrowth utopianism as they imagine life in a perpetual state of nature, where productivity, growth, and material acquisition are toxic to the human spirit. Obviously, in the end, it all involves a form of repression and autocracy. For these are the dreams of elites and special interests before whom mankind must bow if their illusory paradise is to be achieved. Now, by the way, you'll see there's now more emergency edicts when there's economic dislocation, even when the economic dislocation is caused by the very government issuing the emergency edicts. At the core of this mind-numbing, amalgamated, Marxist-centric or Marxist-like crusade is the degrowth movement. Again, there are a variety of movements within movements targeting one or another approach, but there are basic tenets to this degrowth movement. Again, this is from American Marxism, and I explain it at length. For the environmental intellectuals, I skip ahead, behind this amorphous yet ubiquitous movement, the goal is to spawn myriad sub-movements, aimed at taking down the capitalist system. 
Even Marx's ideological approach, which does not reject the creation of wealth, but attacks the methods of production and distribution, is said to miss the mark. While eliminating capitalism and promoting redistribution and egalitarianism are important objectives, apparently vigorous economic production and materialism itself are the bigger problems. These are extremists. They're in our government. They're in the White House. Despite the face of an old and very stupid man who pretends to know what he's doing and doesn't know anything. And so this is discussed again at length in American Marxism, and we will be going through this at length. The arguments, not the book per se. So the economic system is under attack. Even, you know, I've talked about this before, and Ian Rand used to talk about this. And that is, the argument against capitalism used to be it doesn't create enough prosperity for enough people. The argument against capitalism today is it creates too much prosperity for too few people. That is, the people of the United States. You heard Obama use this language. You've heard Biden use it in the past and the others, which is we're 5% or 3% of the world's population, and we use 25% of the resources. Nobody even knows what that means. So let's say we use 12% of the resources. How does that help the world? This is the movement. They are the enemies of reason. They are the enemies of progress. They are the enemies of technology. One of the movement's leading lights is a guy by the name of Timothy Luke, a professor of political science at Virginia Polytechnical Institute and State University. Of course, he's not the only one. There's many. And his argument is, <coughs> this is the second creation of planet Earth. A techno-nature that has destroyed the, the original birth of the United States, nature itself. And he goes on and on about that. And he invents new words and phrases and so forth, which are very annoying. But he's not the only one. Communist Manifesto, quote, The bourgeoisie cannot exist without constantly revolutionizing the instruments of production, and thereby the relations of production, and with them the whole relations of society. Constant revolutionizing of production, uninterrupted disturbance of all social conditions, everlasting uncertainty and agitation, distinguish the bourgeoisie epic from all earlier ones. Now, where was Marx wrong on this? There's not a collective, all of us having delegates or representatives to some massive convention, where we all keep revolutionizing and changing and so forth. This comes from where? Individuals who think for themselves, who are looking at something and trying to solve an issue, are trying to create something, to fill a gap, or to improve something. This is called freedom of the mind. The ability to reason, the ability to to be an individual human being. And what Marx is saying there, and he doesn't realize it, is we have to put an end to this. What the degrowthers are saying, what the climate changers are saying is we have to stop thinking as individuals and let the government 
or even more, let their surrogate front groups think for us. See, these things are all in a bigger context. And they all have as their core this Marxist ideology. Again, not in every technical aspect, but it's been Americanized. The weather, the climate, is being used to destroy your liberty and your lifestyle. And I say the condemnation of economic and technological progress by Marx and Engels and their prodigy in the environmental movement is not merely a demand to restrict, but the goal is to restrict you, your mind, your thinking, your free will. And given the movement's Marxist inculcation, it's unsurprising that it intersects with the growing influence of these other Marxist movements. The environment, the environmental movement is metastasized into a multi-headed hydra with intersecting and overlapping revolutionary causes. We now have critical environmental theory. Did you know this? Critical environmental justice. The introduction of race, gender, pacifism, injustice, classism, anti-Americanism generally under the nomenclature now of environmental justice. Now, what is environmental justice? It's an attack on capitalism. Because everybody doesn't come out exactly the same way under capitalism. Of course, nobody comes out exactly the same way under any system. But that's beside the point, isn't it? So you're, if, we don't, if we don't build this movement, if we don't get the word out, if we don't spread the word, and if we are not successful... You're going to see changes in your life that you never dreamed of. From indoctrination to further attacks on free speech, the ability to, to invent and create things, mobility, what you're allowed and not allowed to eat. You're going to see interruptions in your lifestyle in small ways and large as a result of this American Marxist movement. And all of its little fringe movements. Imagine having to write a book like this. Digging into these different things and figuring them out and seeing how they interrelate. And then imagine doing this month after month after month. And knowing one day I have to get behind this microphone. And alert you to this. Oh, you see it. But we need to see all of it, what it is, not just what we hear about. And it's daunting. But we have no choice. We have no choice. And we're going to do this together because we're red-blooded Americans. And this is why I say at the beginning of the book, and this is why I say on the air to you, where we have small differences, we must put those aside. We must unite as Americans who love this country. Just as we unite in military battle, just as we unite to, to fight the after effects of Mother Nature's violence, we must unite to fight. Not an armed war. But we must rejoin this battle in every part of the culture. It's not enough to talk among ourselves. It's not enough 
to relay to a family member what's going on. It's not enough. We've got to do something. And we will. I hope that this will be another movement. And I hope you're one of the leaders. People ask me all the time, what can we do? The issue is going to be again, what can you do? And then we as a collective, once you've engaged, do. It's going to take you and us. And I'm hoping this book, American Marxism, is the trigger that that really moves us to where we need to go. I'll be right back. Mark AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. There's a lot of books out now. Stacey Abrams is number two on Amazon. O'Reilly's number three. Dr. Seuss is number four. Yours truly, American Marxism, is number five, followed by Seth Rogen's yearbook. I'm hoping that uh, this evening uh, we can move back to the number one or number two position so we can continue to spread the word. Now, that said, all their books are actually released as far as I can tell. Let me see something here. This guy, Seth Rogen, is a nut job. Uh, Yeah, his book is out today. So my book's not out yet. All the others are, but so be it. Remember, we're trying to build an army of pre-orders here. So on the exact day it's released, it's just, uh, it's wide and far. Now, uh, O.J. Simpson was very supportive of Liz Cheney uh, uh, yesterday because, of course, she stands up for the truth. Liz does. Problem is, she can't get her her party in the house to support her because she's also apparently very, very poor at, at uniting the caucus, at having a disciplined message for the caucus, and very busy promoting herself. She hated Trump long before January 6th. She was a never-Trumper, uh, and uh, unfortunately, of the Bush-Cheney mentality. But here you go. Uh, O.J. Simpson throws in for Liz. Cut nine, go. Uh, watching cable news is all about Liz Cheney. Now, I got to admit, I was not a fan of Liz Cheney. Don't get me wrong. I'm 50-50 on her politics, but I didn't like her. And then I just realized recently the reason I didn't like her had to do with her father. Probably my least favorite politician of my adult life, former Vice President Dick Cheney. Now, by the way. 
I don't think Dick Cheney's upset by this at all. To hear O.J. Simpson say, uh, he's probably my least politician of all time. You're not exactly our favorite football player and uh, actor there, O.J. Go ahead. Then I saw a show the other day, and I saw a quote by Voltaire that said that um, patriotism was the enemy of mankind. Thought about that a little bit. Somehow I started thinking about the uh, Republican Party. Uh, And it seemed that fact-based truth and honesty seemed to be the enemy of many of these Republican politicians. And Liz Cheney stands up for the truth. Uh, and that's got her a lot of uh, heat. Uh, she may lose her position in the party. She may even lose her career as a politician. But that is something to be admired, standing up for the truth. That's something I know her father wouldn't have done. So right now I'm kind of a fan of Liz Cheney. Well, there you go. Rambling and buffoonish, but nonetheless, O.J. Speaks on Twitter. How is he on Twitter? How is it that Trump's not on Twitter, but O.J. Simpson is, Mr. Producer? Well, Twitter has its standards, I guess, right, ladies and gentlemen? What an absurd organization Twitter really is. What, what a, it's like a group of morons with all kinds of power and money, you know, kind of like Democrats. It's really quite shocking. The Democrats deny that inflation's a problem. The Democrats want you to believe that all these people on unemployment, uh, they're not working because uh, they're worried about the coronavirus, not because of all the money they've thrown around. We've got stories here. I don't know if I'm going to get to them all. Probably not. That California has a $76 billion surplus still taking $27 billion from the federal taxpayer, and then I have to hear these these mind-numb Democrats on cable TV saying, well, you know, it's the blue states. It's the blue states that subsidize the red states. It's the big industrial states where the taxpayers, they pay the... Okay, if you actually believe that crap, then support smaller government. Then support smaller government. So no state supporting any state. But this is an abomination. And so he's giving out rebates to all you Californians out there. Three-fourths of you are going to get a big rebate right before you vote on whether to remove him from office. Is he going to buy your vote? You know, the level of corruption that goes on in politicians and government in this country is through the stratosphere. How they take our money, how they abuse our money. They think it's a big game. We break our ass to make our money. Here I am waiting for a massive refund from the IRS. And they say they don't have enough printers that are working and they don't have enough ink for the printers that are working. Meanwhile, they want more power. They want to control everything. Yep, the inmates are in control of the asylum, as they say. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. America's most powerful conservative voice. The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. Close to the outbreak of this virus, it was Senator Tom Cotton who was first, or certainly among the first, who surmised that this virus was leaked out of the lab, the communist Chinese lab in Wuhan, China. He didn't buy anything about uh, animal or monkey-to-human transmission. And he said this really needs to be examined. And his gut reaction is, I believe, correct. You're hearing some of our colleagues and friends on Fox and talk radio talk at some length about what they think now happened, about the funding that took place for a third party, funding that came from the Fauci operation or related to it, third party, $600,000 of which went to this lab. Um and you're hearing them talk about this. What, where they're all getting this from, I've decided to link to this, because I've been studying this, is a gentleman by the name of Nicholas Wade. He was the science writer, or a top science writer, journalist, for a long time with the New York Times, for 30 years. He's a British journalist, he's an author. He's also quite a brilliant man. And he has written about his belief that this did leak from the lab. So what I'm going to do on my parlor site at Mark Levin Show Parlor is link to his scholarship, which is in the bulletin.org. And it is a serious, serious publication, scientific publication. And it is printed out 33 pages in length, but you can cut through it pretty quickly. And I would strongly encourage you to read it. His question is, did people or nature open Pandora's box? Now, Communist China's conduct in not wanting serious investigation into that lab demonstrates to me that something took place there. Otherwise, why would they care? They would care because their lives are lies. That's why. Over at National Review, Michael Brennan Dougherty commented a few days back on this piece. And he says, Nicholas Wade is not an alarmist, not a conspiracy theorist. He's one of the most eminent science journalists in the country. 
having done stints at Science Magazine and the New York Times, and he has released a very long technical, if you're into that sort of thing, riveting article on Medium weighing the evidence on the origin of COVID-19. Did it emerge naturally from an animal species to infect people in Wuhan, possibly at a wet market, or did it leak out from the Wuhan Institute of Virology? And this person says he thinks what's most convincing is in describing the lack of plausibility of natural emergence. And he quotes Wade thusly, No one has found the bat population that was the, sort of, the source of SARS-S2, that's what they call us, if indeed it ever infected bats. No intermediate host has presented itself despite an intensive search by Chinese authorities. That included the testing of 80,000 animals. There's no evidence of the virus making multiple independent jumps from its intermediate host to people, as both the SARS-1 and MERS viruses did. There's no evidence from hospital surveillance records of the epidemic gathering strength in the population as the virus evolved. There's no explanation of why a natural epidemic should break out in Wuhan and nowhere else. There's no explanation of why a natural epidemic, uh, let's see, acquired its furin cleavage site and so forth. Wade, wait up. What kind of evidence we do have about the virus itself, the lab, the safety protocols, the grants funded by NIH and NIAD under doctors Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci. And Fauci denied it today, by the way. Fauci denied it. They and common sense all point in one direction. In other words, this is no longer really just a lab leak theory. The evidence points to a lab created theory, too. Now, before you go off, he writes, the evidence still also points to something like an accident, but a reckless one and an imminently foreseeable one, one that virologists and, uh, and their sponsors, such as Dr. Anthony Fauci, were warned about. Wade also weighs in on the credulity of other uh, science journalists and the larger media. Their inherent bias against theories floated by President Trump. He says people around the world who've been pretty much confined to their homes for the last year might like a better answer than their media are giving them. Perhaps one will emerge in time. After all, the more months pass without the natural emergence theory gaining a shred of supporting evidence, a shred, the less plausible it may seem. Perhaps the international community of virologists will come to be seen as a false and self-interest guide. The common sense perception that a pandemic breaking out in Wuhan might have something to do with a Wuhan lab cooking up novel viruses of maximal danger and unsafe conditions could eventually displace the ideological insistence that whatever Trump said cannot be true. More and more. More and more it's looking like it was a leak out of this lab. Now, the Biden administration is utterly uncurious. Biden says he knows Xi well. They get along well. He had a long talk with Xi, more than an hour. The virus never came up. The virus never came up. He attacks Donald Trump for the virus and the deaths that resulted. 
And he says nothing to Xi about this. Why does he do that? Because it's not in his interest, he doesn't think, to challenge Xi. But he can keep beating the Donald Trump, the Donald Trump drum till he's blue in the face because the media will applaud him and celebrate him. It's popular among the kook left. Why doesn't Joe Biden want to get to the bottom of this? Trump tried. If he's Xi's buddy, and we know his son is his buddy, why doesn't he want to get to the bottom of this? I'm 100% convinced this leaked out of this lab. Some of you are saying, no, 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 probably uh, they did it purposely. They're doing it purposely. It's a weird way to do it. But be that as it may, I believe it definitely came out of this this lab, which is why they won't allow anybody near it, and many of the scientists who work there have been disappeared. And some of them who, who went on social media to write their views, they have been disappeared. A.K.A. they don't exist anymore. Mr. Producer, do we have a magnificent caller to whom I should... Didn't we have somebody you were going to call back for me today? Brian, the great WMAL in Vienna, Virginia. I told you we would call you back. How are you, Brian? I am good, Mark. How are you doing? Good. Excellent. So I guess we I guess we'll start off where we did before. When I disagreed with the uh, well actually when I disagreed with with you were disagreeing with what Michelle Obama was talking about with uh, police malfeasance. Just tell everybody what we disagree on. Okay. I do believe there is an issue with... Uh, I do not life. believe cops are targeting African-Americans. You believe they do. Go ahead. Well, I would definitely say they treat African-Americans differently. Now, now how do you know that? Would be how do you know that? Something that would say... They would, well, I can speak from... I can use anecdotes. I you can speak for yourself. Experience. You can't speak for me. You don't know how I'm treated when I'm stopped or other people. Well... I would actually say, Mark, is, is that 40 million, well, not 40 million. Hello? Oh, don't tell me we lost Brian, for God's sakes. No, I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me? No, now I can hear you. Go ahead. All right. Can you hear me? Go right ahead. I think I can. You're in Mark, and out. Can you hear me? All right. All right. Can't... Okay. Go right ahead. Let me start. Mark. All right. So. All right. You're coming in and out. Can we call Brian back and see if we can get a clear line, please? Uh, let us try, in the meantime, Mark Salinas, California, XM Satellite. Go right ahead, please. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Okay, buddy. Okay, the reason I called is that you were talking about all the costs going up at the uh, stores and whatnot. <clears throat> and it's a, the, the biggest problem is, well, you know, pallets have gone up, cartons have gone up, and what's happened to the growers out here is to get their produce from the West Coast to the East Coast, costing them probably seven to eight dollars more per box so it's having a reverse effect on the growers here they can't even give it away right now there's, there's too much produce now so the market has just taken so the system is backing up right and a lot of the truck situation is is because these independent contractors have been regulated right out of business i mean you can't be a single truck driver All right, but they anymore. weren't regulated out of business three weeks ago 
So I, that's a whole other issue that concerns me, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the price of fuel for any truck has gone up enormously, almost 50% for these 18-wheelers. And that has a consequence. The price of petroleum, which is in almost everything we do, everything we process, it's in all the packaging that we have, it's in all the assembly lines that we use and so forth and so on. It was the, it was the engine of the Industrial Revolution. And so this is a war on the Industrial Revolution, as people will figure out again when they read the book. That's what it is. They hate the Industrial Revolution because the Industrial Revolution proved Marx wrong. And so this environmental movement has become not about clean air and clean water, but about changing your lifestyle, limiting your access to goods and produce and services, limiting your lifestyle, that is, the size of your home, what your home is made of, the kind of automobile you can drive, how many automobiles you can have. God knows, one day maybe it'll even extend to uh, all kinds of uh, habits that you have and even family size. I don't know. But when you take this in conjunction with what HUD is doing under Obama and now Biden, which is an attack on the suburbs and single-family homes, the demand for more public transportation, the demand for more and more dense living situations despite the virus, you can see what's going on here. It's one movement after another, after another. They called intersectionality, one working with the other. It's not a conspiracy. It's a movement they have. And we need a movement to fight it. And that's what's going on. And it goes right to the gas tank. It goes right to how you make your living. And they don't give a damn if people lose their jobs. They really don't give a damn. Everything the Democrat Party is doing here now is to empower the Democrat Party. So it is the party and the one and only party. They want to put the Republican Party out of business. They want to put any competition out of business. They want to put any ideas they disagree with out of business. And that's exactly what's taking place in this country. I got to run, Mark. Thanks for your call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Brian, the last shot here, big guy. Go ahead, and we only have a minute or two. We got thirty seconds. Okay, so no, no, we've what... got a minute or two. Go ahead. Okay, so this is what I'm going to say: is that the Republican Party can absolutely win if they get the black vote, and I'm getting down to it. And the black vote. Well, they got a bigger percentage of the black vote than before under Trump. But but if you get a bigger percentage, then it's a wrap. 
you can't. I mean, it, it is. Yeah. Well, this raises a whole different question about our electoral system. And uh, I have a problem with states that violate the federal constitution, change the rules at the end. But go ahead. I, and let's stay on topic here. We're running out of time. Absolutely. Cops, I'm go ahead. To, I'm, I'm getting down to the. Uh, Don't worry about the Republican the Party. Cops, go ahead. Okay, well, it's cops. So basically, there is a uh, uh, there is a uh, systemic racism in the way that cops treat black people and what goes on. Thirty million people can't be wrong. What do you mean, thirty million people can't be wrong? Where'd you get that from? Well, I'm, uh, I'm. I, there's no, 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 you're not talking facts. Okay. Thirty million people can't be wrong. Well, I haven't heard thirty million people comment. Well, of course you haven't had 30 million, but how, how are, how are uh, polls done? Well, you just, I don't know, you just represented 30 million people. <laughs> okay, Mark, we'll, we'll, re- re- we'll redact that statement. Uh, a lot of these people that are complaining about the police brutality, most of them cannot be wrong. And it's a lot of people. It's a significant number okay, of the we, The way we started this the other day was you said that you have been mistreated. Absolutely. Go ahead. Explain it. Stop absolutely. talking about well, other people. I mean, you don't. You know, they, they can speak okay, for themselves. Well, absolutely. So growing up, I say it would be my 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 father was an engineer, and I had a, a pretty good vehicle. And uh, growing up in the area that it was just north of where where you're at, I was pulled over. It was a good month. I wasn't pulled over three uh, three times a month. Oh, so you're month, pulled so over three times a month. Yes, three times a month. That would be almost once a week. For years. And I was searched. For years. For, 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 about, for about three years. And I was searched. And I was searched. So you were pulled over three times a month for three years. You were pulled over, let me just figure this out, over a hundred times. Easy. No way. I don't believe it for a second. Not that I distrust you. I'm just saying I don't think the records would demonstrate that you were pulled over over a hundred times. If you were, you're right. You were targeted. No question about it. But I don't think I was targeted simply because I'm me. I was targeted because I was a young black man driving around. Young young black man driving around pulled over over 100 times in three years. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly what I'm saying. Well, then I think that's a problem. No question about it. And you you weren't at fault once, I'm guessing. (laughs) Brian, I got to run. I apologize, buddy. You sound like a great guy. I salute all you folks. I hope you'll make a trip over to Amazon.com.